Hello and welcome to Small Town BS. My name is Zach Bellman. It is Wednesday, April 15, 2020, and this is episode 5 of Small Town BS. Still not a lot of sports news, but the XFL has declared bankruptcy, the second football league to fold in the last two years after the Alliance of American Football did last year. Really unfortunate to see another competitor to the NFL go by the wayside. Obviously, competition breeds better products for the consumer, so we lost as sports fans, regardless of what you thought about the league's debut season. Certainly trying times for sports leagues, as rumors of baseball and basketball starting up again seem to be just that, rumors for the time being. Uh, But I've got a great interview today with another baseball broadcaster friend of mine in Len Casper of the Chicago Cubs broadcast team. Just another of what hopefully can become a series of interviews with some people I admire in the industry of sports. Just wanted to record another quick intro and remind you that if you enjoy what I'm putting together here, please support the show with a follow on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you may be listening today. The support of last week's episode with Brian Anderson was phenomenal, and I hope we can keep the momentum going with another great interview today. So without further ado, here's my interview with Len Casper. All right, my guest today is Len Casper of the Chicago Cubs broadcast team. First of all, Len, how are you? What are you up to these days? Hey, Zach. Uh, good to be with you. Uh, not a whole lot. I think, uh, unfortunately, a lot of people are in the same situation. And, uh, you know, I'm very fortunate in a lot of ways. Uh, knock on wood, everybody uh, here is uh, healthy and safe and sound. And uh, my son is back from uh, the University of Illinois. He's a freshman there. And is finishing up the semester online. Uh, so a lot of time at home, dog walks and try, trying to stay uh, mentally and physically as fit as possible. So if and when uh, we do get a baseball season, I'm ready to go. Absolutely. That is the challenge, isn't it? And I'm sure you're following all the latest developments as Major League Baseball tries to get their uh, season going in the coming weeks or months here. And the latest proposition this past week was to realign divisions in their Grapefruit and Cactus League divisions to allow teams to return to their spring training sites. For your Cubs, that would mean a Cactus League Northeast division, also including the San Francisco Giants, Arizona Diamondbacks, Colorado Rockies, and Oakland Athletics. For the Brewers, they would join a division including the San Diego Padres, Seattle Mariners, Texas Rangers, and Kansas City Royals. So I ask you, Len, you know, what do you think of that alignment, and what is the general impression you have about a return to baseball from the people you're in contact with? Yeah, I think uh, in terms of the Cubs, most people would probably say that's a division top to bottom you might take your chances with compared to the NL Central as uh, currently constructed. However, uh, I, would, I would caution you know, the Oakland A's, uh, arguably one of the top two or three teams on paper in all of baseball, uh, I think the Diamondbacks uh, are, are pretty good. The Rockies are always intriguing. Uh, Giants are certainly in a rebuild mode. Um, but I think the A's would be the, the one team you would worry about. Uh, I think if you're, mm-hmm. the, if you're the Brewers and Brewer fans, I think that's a division you, you'd feel much better about uh, in the Cactus League than, than the NL Central. But here, here's the problem as I look at some of the other divisions. And you know, some of it just may come down to because it's geography, Uh, You just have to live with it. But, you know, the Dodgers, the White Sox, the Reds and the Indians all being in the same division. I mean, that's that's a pretty tough go for Joe Madden and his angels. So he's already said he's not so sure about the Arizona idea due to the weather, but it may be because of the division he might be placed in. And then there's a division over in Florida 
that I believe includes the Nationals, the Cardinals, uh, the Mets. Uh, did I say the Astros? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so the Astros and Nationals both in the same division. I mean, that that's, that's pretty tough. So nothing is ideal. Uh, I think there are a lot of other issues aside from, you know, the division alignments to, to get there uh, with logistical concerns. And obviously health is number one, but mm-hmm. I do think MLB is smart to, to go over some scenarios and build some schedules because if and when they kind of get the go ahead that this can happen, uh, you, you can't be uh, messing around with these types of conversations. We've got time on our hands right now. And so I think that's why you're hearing a lot of these ideas come out. Yeah, definitely. And for the Cubs specifically, you know, they, they enter their next season whenever that should happen with a new manager, David Ross, obviously someone you have uh, you have to have some familiarity with from his playing days in Chicago. What impression did he give you during spring training? And is he someone that you think uh, can lead the Cubs back back to the postseason? Yeah, David and I uh, get along really well. We've become good friends. And uh, the, the, the couple things I would say about his three-week spring training uh, beginning before everything was shut down was he was the same guy as he was as a player. And that's really what you'd like to see. Uh, some guys, I suppose, maybe try to change to fit uh, their new position. And he's the same old Rossi. That's really good. Uh, having said that, he, he looks like he was born to manage. Uh, he was a leader in the clubhouse and the dugout when he played. And I think that now that he's uh, in a different role, he understands that there's some things that he doesn't know. He's been very upfront about that. Uh, he built a, a kind of a new coaching staff. There are some incumbents, but some newcomers, including Andy Green, who is his bench coach. And uh, Rossi has said he's going to rely a lot uh, on Green because he uh, just finished a four-year run as the manager with the Padres. So I really like the fact that he knows what he doesn't know. Uh, and, and will grow into the job. But uh, he's been a quick study, and uh, I can't wait to, to see him do his thing. Mm-hmm. And for Ross as a former player, obviously the Cubs have had a front row seat to the impact a former player can have in the manager role, seeing Craig Council take the Brewers to back-to-back postseasons. From your time in baseball, you know what unique perspective does a former major league player like Ross bring to a clubhouse that someone who may have just worked up the coaching ladder may not have? Well, there's no one perfect way to do it you know Joe Madden was a minor league catcher but never even sniffed the big leagues as a player mm-hmm. and and I would say is is one of the best managers I've ever been around um, but then again uh, I was around Lou Pinella and Dusty Baker who had very good uh, major league careers and have become uh, you know borderline hall of fame managers so there are a lot of different ways to do it but I do think as a former player and as a younger a former player, more specifically in the case of Council, when he took over the Brewers job and now Ross with the Cubs, there might be a little bit more of a, a sooner buy-in from players because, you know, they, they, they don't have to uh, kind of learn what this guy's all about. Uh, in, in Ross's case, he's got several former teammates uh, on his roster, so they're very familiar with him. And I think it's just getting used to the fact that, that he is the manager now. And I think it's more on them than it is him necessarily. You know, I don't worry about him, you know, not uh, lighting up a guy in the clubhouse. If, if there's not enough hustle 
or if there's something he sees that he doesn't like, because he would do that as a player and as a teammate. He'd get right in a guy's face and and let him know that he didn't appreciate it. So uh, I, I think it's more on the player here than it is the manager to kind of adjust to that new role and understand that, uh, you know, you're probably not going to be hanging out, uh, uh, you know, at night uh, a lot, maybe occasional team dinners, but the player and manager kind of has to have a little bit of professional separation. And uh, I, I think everybody in the clubhouse understands that. Look, this is a team that that a lot of people felt underachieved last year. And this current nucleus, if you look contractually, really goes through 2021. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of urgency here to win now. And and I, I, I think the reason they brought David Ross in is they didn't want to have a lot of time for, for player manager to get used to each other. They wanted someone uh, who kind of knew the drill already, was was someone familiar with the organization, and he fit that mold, I think, perfectly. Interesting. Yeah, that is such an interesting dynamic when you think about, you know, a guy that you used to suit up and play with. But, you know, it sounds like, especially in Ross's case, um, you know, he already was kind of that clubhouse leader. So it, it, it seems like a natural uh, kind of switch for him to, you know, now be in this, uh, you know, manager role for the Cubs. So, um, Len, you know, shifting gears to you a little bit, uh, you know, you are often lauded for your preparation for broadcasts and you find yourself in the pregame scrums pretty often. You know, what are some of your priorities before a game to make sure you're prepared to do your broadcast? I, uh, I just try to be at the park uh, <laughs> as early as I can. You know, just being present uh, and showing up is, is a big part of success in life uh, and, and making sure that I have enough time and really extra time where I don't feel like if something goes wrong or if there's a switch in the lineup late that I don't have enough time to, to make that adjustment. Uh, but, but it's a sport and, and the way I approach it, that's really every day, 365 days a year. Uh, so my, a lot of my preparation happens before I ever get to the ballpark. And a lot of the information I acquire and gather when I'm at the park simply supplements Uh, the things that I already have at my disposal. So I really try to uh, be as open uh, and and not too focused on kind of the things that I feel like I need to do in terms of filling out my book and all that stuff, but be open to information from other people. And that's where that human interaction is really important. And it's the one thing I think right now, Zach, I, I miss the most about not being at the ballpark. Obviously calling games is a blast, I think at the end of the day, it's the camaraderie. It's being mm-hmm. in the clubhouse, talking to players, talking to the manager, talking to coaches, uh, chatting with uh, broadcasters with the other team and other teams' managers and and players. That's the real fun of being at the ballpark is learning something about the game every day. And that's kind of my goal when I get to, to Wrigley Field or wherever we are on a daily basis is, you know, learn something, find out something from somebody that I didn't know before I got to the park. Definitely. Yeah. And for me as a sports reporter as well, it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely, you know, missing the opportunities to talk to managers or, you know, coaches of teams and uh, other photographers that I see out and about, yeah, those relationships are definitely uh, what I miss as well about, about uh, working in sports right now. But, um, you know, finally, Len, I wanted to uh, touch on something. I stumbled across a profile of you from more than a decade ago by the Chicago Tribune and in it, they talk about how before your first MLB full-time TV job, you went on vacation to Florida with your wife and took a long walk on the beach by yourself, 
where you started to ponder the what-ifs of working in broadcasting, whether this was going to work out. And obviously, you and I know each other through the Marquette University's Alumni Mentorship Program, and I'm curious if you have any thoughts up for those out there right now, either recent grads or those who you know, may be uh, trying to complete their last semester online, or uh, you know, even those uh, slogging through the minor leagues of sports journalism right now, if you had any advice for them, as many of us may be grappling with some of those same questions in an industry that is pretty much shut down for the time being. Yeah, I, I, you know, the, the biggest piece of advice I give for young broadcasters or really anyone in the communication world is, is practice, practice, practice. And you know this uh, from our conversations, that the more you do it, the better at it you get. But I think to, to specifically answer your question, you have to understand the supply and demand side of this business. And, you know, at times uh, the demand is not that great and the supply is overwhelming Mm -hmm. and you can get discouraged feeling that you know you've done something wrong when you aren't able to get jobs that that you feel you're uh experienced for and and qualified to do uh but the bottom line is when you do dip your toes into these waters you have to understand that uh, a lot of the jobs that people want are few and far between the people who have those jobs don't give them up easily and it can take a lot longer to get to where you want to be in this industry than in a lot of other places. So it, 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 it is difficult, I think, on the, the psychological side to, to not get frustrated uh, and, and to, to control the things you can control. And I guess, you know, one of the things that I remember about that time period, I had interviewed for a couple of jobs, didn't get them. And, and, you know, I still was confident that I was good enough, I think, to be in the big leagues as a broadcaster. But I, I had to kind of come to grips with the idea that I'm you know, 30 years old or 31, whatever the age was, I think 31 at the time. If this doesn't happen, you know, have I done all the things that I needed to do to get here? And I think ultimately the answer was yes. And I had to come to a conclusion that if it happened, it happened. And if it didn't, it didn't. And I had to kind of come to grips with that and uh you know hopefully it's not a situation everyone has to deal with because it was not a lot of fun Uh, but i think ultimately at the end of the day if you do everything you can to put yourself in the best position possible do all the right things it's still possible you may not get that opportunity that you need and that's a hard thing to handle sometimes definitely well thank you so much for uh taking a few minutes with me this morning len uh really appreciate it i uh, hope you and yours are staying safe in the midst of all this and uh obviously you know myself and many others are, are hoping that you're back in the booth as soon as it's safe to do so so likewise zach uh great to talk to you and i'm uh, definitely proud of you and uh keep up the great work it's uh, been fun to watch your progress oh thank you so much len we'll be in touch soon You got it. Thank you so much for sticking through to the end of the episode. Really enjoyed catching up with Len and hope you enjoyed the interview as well. Uh, To keep up with the latest episodes of Small Town BS and support the show, follow me on Spotify, Anchor, my Twitter, at Zach Bellman underscore WNY, and my Facebook page, Zach Bellman dash sportswriter. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you next week with another episode of Small Town BS.